Welcome to coffeeis.me podcast, where me means you, or more precisely, us. This is the show where your host, Valerian, without using any interrogation techniques, convinces coffee professionals to reveal their secrets to teach and inspire you to make better coffee and earn a few bucks on the side, if that's what you fancy. Let the show begin. Hello, coffee friends. Welcome to coffeeis.me podcast podcast for existing and future coffee businesses and all caffeine positive folks who are interested in this magnificent industry. We marked one year of this podcast. Congratulations guys, you managed to stay one year with me. Only my wife will trump you. She is with me 12, 13, uh, whatever, whatever years, more than one. I wish I could share a cake with you all. It is also the 33rd episode. 33 is a very cool number. First, we have two of the same numbers next to each other, and that's always sexy. Then it is two number threes. Three is a magic number in fairy tales, you know, king had three daughters, three-headed dragon, behind the three hills and three oceans, stuff like that. And also, 33 in the Christian culture marks the age of Jesus when he got crucified. Well, maybe that's not such a great news, but hey, he got resurrected, right? So it's all good. Anyhow, thanks again guys for listening to this podcast. Without your reviews, emails, Facebook messages, this would not be possible. So thank you with all my heart. Before we continue last week's episode, I would like to remind you it is September. September marks the start of the school year and that means it is a good time for you to start improving your coffee knowledge too, right? You did the right first step. You are listening to this podcast. (laughs) But if you want to level up, check out coffeecourses.com. We have tons of awesome coffee courses on roasting, coffee quality analysis, blending, barista skills, you name it. I highly recommend that you go with a membership, as with that, you get access to all of the awesomeness on the website. If you are not ready to purchase, no worries, please go ahead and enjoy the free content at coffeecourses.com. When it comes to these online courses, we also got one of a few negative feedbacks. It is about... Uh, availability of similar courses on YouTube and that we do not go deep enough in our professional roasting course. I would love to address uh, this critique and these concerns, uh, but I would like to do it after the podcast. So if you are interested in my opinion, please stay with me after the podcast and I will reveal one marketing secret which you might or might not know and if you might, if you don't know it, might change your world. But most importantly, in this episode, we are going to continue our discussion with awesome Seth Mills from Mr. Box. Among other clever things, he will also tell you how he selects coffees for his portfolio, a question which most of you are wondering because you asked it. And also, he will answer your questions you ask on Coffee Is Me Facebook group. If you are not a member, you should join now, like right now. You are listening to this podcast. You clicking clickety-click facebook.com coffee is me group and join good job <laughs> all right let's do this in the second part of this interview i want to talk about your customers a lot of roasters here they want to know who is drinking coffee in the united states and you guys because you work with so many customers you have the data so let me ask you about that can you describe your typical customer who is your customer avatar I think it's important to note that our target customer now is very different than who our target customer was when we launched originally. Um, you know, 
from our Kickstarter and from other earlier um, things online, you can see that we were kind of more of the sampler subscription where we would get samples from roasters and do the curated boxes where you would get four small samples of various coffees from different roasters. And that was definitely targeted at the coffee connoisseur or the enthusiast or someone who already knew a little bit more about coffee. Um, and over time, we realized that that model wasn't really working. There were a lot of weak points in it as far as shipping timelines. If anything got you know like got caught up, it would take a lot longer and the coffee would arrive further off of roast, um, which would affect freshness, obviously. Um, you know, customers would tend to prefer one or two of the coffees, but one or two of them they wouldn't love as much. So there were a lot of issues with that. And we, you know, over time, we've kind of realized that that we needed to change up the model. So at the end of 2014, we launched our, our newer subscription, which is the, <clears throat> excuse me, the personalized coffee subscription, where we're picking coffee specifically cater to your tastes and sending it directly to you from a roaster. So, um, you know, now, you know, essentially we're able to meet every, every customer exactly where they're at. So as far as who our customer is, it can be a customer who loves, you know, a darker roasted blend or a coffee professional or a coffee enthusiast who loves single origin light roast customers. So it's mostly someone who ha who loves coffee, um, and and wants to taste the variety of awesome coffees that are out there from a number of roasters. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay. Uh, I noticed that on your website because you even address them uh, based on the roast degree, which you know many times the the uh, third wave they go light, max, medium for espresso, but there is no dark roast, and you guys actually have that option for the for the customers. I think that's uh, really important to do. <clears throat> excuse me, to do, um, because, uh, you know, everybody who, you know, most coffee professionals and a lot of enthusiasts obviously are going to prefer lighter roasted coffees that are going to bring more origin character um, to the cut profile. But not every consumer is necessarily there or prefers that. And so I think, you know, along the way, I even had to change my approach and make a little bit of a paradigm shift from, just trying to cater to people who had similar preferences to myself and to realizing that, that the greater market, they're still in need for high quality coffee, but they maybe want a slightly different profile or a slightly darker roasted coffee. Yeah, I, I, I get that. I, I used to be the one who was arrogant and I said light, medium is the worst you can do. And I changed. I mean, maybe it's, you know, just by age, I mellowed. <laughs> or yeah. just simple, I got people. Because, you know, I had a lot of people here, especially in this northern part of San Francisco, Marion, people drink peat, which is very dark roasted. You know, it's full of, like, it's oils on the surface. And it's just, that's what they like. And uh, if I want to succeed with my coffee here, I have to kind of, like, either convince them that, oh, go and drink light because you can taste the origin. And they go, like, no, I don't want that. I I want my comfortable coffee, which I'm drinking all the time. So with my new company, we changed a little bit here. And I was experimenting with a dark roast. We have one dark roast. And I, I don't do the same what uh, what Pete's does. I don't go that dark or Starbucks. I never go that dark. But I kind of deliver the dark flavor with a roast profile, which is... Uh, which you can achieve on alluring. Uh, you don't have to have oils there, and you can still have the uh, the the kind of like this. I call it perfumey flavor of dark roast. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to explain that. And and 
it's working. I mean, we tested on uh, on few uh, dark roast drinkers, and they were like, "Oh, this looks like medium roast, but you know what? It does taste like dark roast, and it's 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 something I like." So, yeah, hooray! So you you, I, I don't know. It's it's a sensitive topic because I w- with my Slovak company, I would never do this. Uh, we are light roast. We are the nasty guys. We you know we say you have to have grinders, but with my American company, I do something different. Um, I guess each company has its face or each company has its soul. So you have to play with that soul, I guess. I don't know. Right. I don't think that every brand necessarily has to offer a dark roast. You mm-hmm. know, I think that, um, you know, there's there's room for multiple approaches. Um, I think that because we're positioned where we're able to work with so many different roasters, it's easier for us to make that compromise to meet customers where they're at. Whereas, you know, if I were operating my own roastery, it would be a lot more difficult to convince myself to offer darks, darker coffees. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely difficult. Not every roaster is going to want to do that. Uh, but I think that in the long run, in order to make specialty coffee a more long-term sustainable business, that's not just going to be a fad while cold brew is you know, happening. Like I want, you know, I want, I want specialty coffee to be a long-term sustainable industry that, that has continual growth and continues to um, get customers to invest their time and their money and their energy into a better product. And I think that one of the ways to do that is definitely to meet customers where they're at. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. You're right. I mean, again, in Slovakia, I cannot do that because it's a typical specialty grade uh, third wave model where, you know, you source the nice stuff. But with my American company, it's easier for us because it's a farm-to-consumer uh, product. And as a farm, would imagine just a, a vineyard, right? right? And, a, and, a, and if every vineyard has different like uh, shades of their red wines, they can do you know, rosés, they can do you know, bold, very heavy darks. And that's how we approach the coffee here. We try to model the, the wine industry here. Also, that people here in Mary will understand that because we have Napa and Soma very close. So people understand the wine and this is how we can try to explain them also the coffee. Why do you think that your cons- uh, customers go to you and not directly to the roasters? Um, I think that one of our customers is looking for a few things from our service, right? So they're looking for convenience. They're looking to discover. They're looking for some confidence. So for convenience, you know, our service is flexible. We're able to ship coffees straight to your door and, you know, you're going to be confident that you're going to like what we're shipping you and you're not even going to have to think about it. So the way that our subscription works, we're able to set up, you know, you set up your your frequency and we're automatically going to fulfill coffees that we think you're going to like on that frequency. So also, you know, I think that a lot of consumers who are coming to us don't want predictability. So, you know, if you go straight to a roaster, you know exactly what you're getting and it's going to be comfortable. But a lot of consumers, they want to try something different. They want to be surprised by what they're going to get in the mail. You know, it kind of feels like Christmas. So, yeah, yeah. you know, we're picking coffees for you based on your preferences that are going to align with what you're already drinking or already liking. Um, but we work with a pretty large selection of some of the best roasters out there. And so we're able to expose coffee drinkers to roasters that they never would have heard of otherwise because it's on the other side of the country. Um, and I think that confidence is a big thing. You know, when you, if you were to go to your local roaster or a grocery store and buy coffee, I think there's so many options that for an uneducated consumer can absolutely be intimidating and confusing if you don't know or understand all of the 
the lexicon, the language, what does meters mean, how, what does processing have to do with anything, what roast level, you know, like there's a lot of um, jargon that we use. There's a lot of marketing words that are thrown around both by, you know, new wave coffee professionals and, you know, Starbucks and larger roasters. And it's really confusing for a lot of, you know, consumers. So our customers can be confident that they're going to get a coffee that they're going to enjoy. So it's, you know, we're, we're trying to simplify it and make it a little bit easier to understand. And over time, after we're interacting with them via email, after they're getting the coffees that we're sending them, you know, hopefully we're building that confidence. We're helping to educate their, their knowledge of the product and, and give them, um, you know, kind of exposure to that information and that, and that those, you know, industry terms. Yeah, we again, going to that point we talked about before that we have to simplify, we have to basically go to the consumer and be with him rather than show off what we know and show off, you know, how cool we are, because I think consumer feels intimidated about that. So great job, guys. I think that's, that's really cool uh, approach. Yeah, thanks. One thing which I like to ask is uh, ground coffee. On uh, your website, I saw that in subscriptions you don't offer, as far as I know, ground coffee. On your website, when you go and go to a web store where people can actually purchase those coffees, uh, I saw that there is a category grind, but when I click on that, it's always whole. So what's up? How is your model with this uh, ground versus whole bean? Yeah, so... That's a good question. We only ship whole bean coffee. Um, and the reason why we have the drop down bar on the website is it's a way to communicate and create that expectation for the customer that it's going to be whole bean. Oh, so wow. otherwise, there's confusion with what they're going to get. And so by make by having them have to select the whole bean, that's kind of they have to make the conscious acknowledgement that that's what they're getting. <laughs> so it's like agreeing able- to terms, right? When you have to click on it, agree right. to it's, it's just so that they don't get confused. So if they were to go on our website and buy a coffee and it arrives and it's whole bean and they don't have a grinder, you know, they, they know ahead of time that that's how it's going to be. Um, and, you know, the reason why we do only whole bean obviously is every every roaster who's listening knows freshness, right? So, you know, the, the coffees that we offer, they're shipping, you know, they're drop shipping directly from our roasters to our customers. Um, so it's arriving at our at our customers' doors within days of being roasted. And so if we were to have it ground beforehand, you know, it's obviously going to degrade that freshness. It's going to, you know, a lot of the times these coffees are being um, shipped via airplane and, you know, going up in altitude. If it's pre-ground, it's going to affect a lot of things. So, you know, we're we're just trying to preserve the quality of our roasters and make sure that we're, you know, presenting the, the, the highest quality product to our customers that we can. Um, obviously it's difficult because not every customer has a grinder. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, you know, like I said, we're totally open to making our service even more approachable by providing customers with pre-ground coffee or pre-ground options. Um, because it'll help remove the entry barrier of having to have a grinder, but we haven't had a we haven't really found a solution yet that allows us to do that. That means our standards and is going to work with all of our roasters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally get it. It's it's the same. I think everybody has the same dilemma. You know, for me, it's also I always try to explain a consumer that look, I when I roasted this coffee for you, uh, there's a promise of uh, flavor profile. And if I grind this for you, that that promise I violate. So basically, you will not taste those uh, jasmines inside. You will not taste the you know whatever the descriptor is, because it will be all kind of 
stale. So, you know, get a grinder. Yeah. So we, you know, we have a lot of, you know, because we are generally marketing and reaching a, a wider demographic than most specialty roasters are reaching, we have a lot of requests for pre-ground coffee mm-hmm. um, or, you know, part of our quiz actually asks customers what kind of grinders they have and and whether or not they have a grinder. And so from there, we can determine whether or not we need to follow up. And if we do, we can give them recommendations of grinders on the market that are going to meet their needs and their budget. So Mm -hmm. some customers, you know, they don't have a huge budget or they haven't made a huge budget for coffee. And so they're not going to, they're not going to be interested in going out and spending $130 on an entry level Barazza grinder. So you know, we tell them, okay, well, here's the very cheapest grinder you can have that will get the job done. Obviously, it's not going to be ideal, but it'll get the job done. Secondarily, you know, here's a mid-priced hand grinder that's going to be a little bit more labor-intensive, a little bit more, you know, it's going to take a little bit more time every morning, but the, you know, the end result will be far and away better than a blade grinder would be. And then, okay, here's, you know, here's our recommendations for the best value burr grinders on the market that are gonna you know get the job done but not be totally super expensive out of curiosity which is your recommendation for a entry-level burr grinder uh i'm a big fan of barazza products so the encore grinder you know it retails for about 130 dollars. you can find they do refurbished models on their website which normally go for about 95 bucks mm-hmm. um so I think that for that price and that quality of grinder, um, you know, there's not much else that's going to be better. If somebody says I have fifty up to fifty bucks, we're probably going to tell them, or I will tell them to get a hand grinder. Um, depends on what volume of coffee um, they're, you know, they're looking for. Um, three it's people. Determine. Uh, three times I mean, a day. Then don't buy a hand grinder. Yeah, I was, I was trying to. If you're, if you're gonna do three people three times a day, then don't buy a hand grinder. Um, yeah, I was going. I was trying to uh, trick you into answering me. Like, what electrical grinder you would recommend up to fifty bucks? Oh, fifty. Uh, that's a really good question. Um, I know. <laughs> I, I guess that you know, I, I don't know that that many. There are many at that price. I think. I think there's probably Krups is available at that price, which. I think that was the first burr grinder I ever had was um, the the Krups burr grinder. I bought it from Starbucks with my you know discount. That's probably what's going to get you there. The burrs are not great because they're they're stamped burrs, um, so it's not going to be amazing. But I mean, it's going to be better than than a blade grinder would be. So mm-hmm. I researched this a lot because I have the same dilemma with this new company. We want to be as much close to the consumer as as we can. But I still kind of refuse to ro- to grind the coffee, especially for stores and supermarkets. Uh, so I researched grinders because people ask me, okay, so what shall I do? And uh, I usually say that if you have up to 100 bucks, I always recommend the Capresso Infinity, which is a, a conical burr grinder. Uh, it's annoying that it doesn't have on-off button. It has this kind of timer, which is weird, and I don't know why they didn't change it. But... That's 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 solid, especially if you drink coffee as filter, not espresso. That's really cool. Uh, and up to fifty bucks, I didn't find too much. I found on Amazon, so they have Mr. Coffee grinder, which is between twenty and thirty bucks. It's a burr grinder. I have no clue about the quality, like none. What, I'm, I'm sure it's not great, and I'm sure that it'll probably break. Yeah. Very quickly. Or 
if it's you know if you're using it with like lighter roasted coffee it probably won't last that long okay i'd say you're better off going with a hand grinder like a porlex mini or something um or a porlex grinder those are my favorite hand grinders on the market here is my problem with with the hand grinders is that it takes forever to grind oh yeah absolutely it takes forever yeah Yeah, it's not a quick process or convenient but as far as giving someone a product that you can be confident that it's going to give them the grind quality that they're going to need. Um, you know, it's a lot, there's a lot more confidence there than, you know, uh, an electric burr grinder that might break after a couple of uses. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Well, I don't know. It's very hard. And I wish there was a coffee grinder up to 50 bucks, which is solid because uh, most of our con- consumers want. When I tell them about, I also love Baratza, by the way. So, you know, I tell them about Baratza, they go like, ooh, that's, you know, that's too much. When I tell them about Capresso, that's almost there, but it has to be under 50 bucks. And I never recommend them uh, hand grinders unless it's a single guy or a single gal. You know, that's different. But if it's like family, like they, that, that, that would be pain and they usually toss it out. I have, I tested a lot of hand grinders from Hario and everything. It, it never really works. Only one hand grinder I love, I really in love with is the uh, Lido tree, but that's mm-hmm. 200 bucks. You know, that's, yeah. that's a different category. And other thing, I'm really excited to see the hand ground. The guys are, I think, starting to ship in November, December. I'm excited to see that, how that will work out. But uh, if you want to start some business, guys, think about the grinder up to 50 bucks. There you go. I'm totally with you. If someone can make a great quality burr grinder that only costs 50 bucks, I will recommend it all day long. And I will inter- interview them on a podcast and we'll push your product as much as we can. So do it. <laughs> you mentioned that some of your uh, customers want ground coffee. Do you know the percentage approximately? Um, you know, surprisingly, it's not as big as uh, I had thought. I was digging into this um, recently and looking through some of the data and, you know, really is probably only maybe a quarter to a third of my customers who don't already have grinders. So how about the certifications? Uh, are they important uh, for your customers? I mean, by these like organic fair trade rainforest alliance, you name it. Um, for some of them, I mean, it's, it's a pretty small minority. Um, you know, I've, I've worked pretty hard to make sure that we're working with a couple roasters who, um, carry those coffees. Some of our roasters only carry certified organic coffees. Um, so we want to make sure that we can get that group of customers what they need, but it's not an overwhelming majority. I would say any any of our customers who are looking for certifications, they're more leaning, they're talking more about organic or fair trade. Um, I haven't really ever seen anybody, you know, request Rainforest Alliance or anything like that. So, um, but with you know, with with things like fair trade, it's a it op, it's an opportunity for us to interact with those customers and talk about our standards for ro- roasters and how they source their coffee. So you know, we communicate that all of our coffees are going to be above fair trade pricing, um, mm-hmm. anyways. So for you know, for us, it's kind of like sure we can get you this fair trade certification. However, you know, here's an opportunity for education about how how we work with coffee and how our roasters buy coffee. Cool. Yeah, I was always wondering about that, uh, how important it is for people that see that logo there, you know. And we know that certification is not a sign of quality. It's just a sign of certain way, uh, like uh, of growing it, right? Right, uh, Right. it's more of a sign of uh, organizational or the systematic structure of how that coffee is produced, not necessarily, you know, any correlation to quality. Is there any noticeable difference 
in a consumer's preference since 2012 when you started and let's say today in 2016? Did you see some shift happening? Yeah, um, obviously, you know, we've shifted our model um, part of as part of a reaction to that. But, you know, there's there's more awareness of specialty coffee as a product, single origin coffees, different brew methods, coffee as a, a luxury product with flavor profiles like fine spirits or wine. So mo- more consumers know what they want and they're more familiar with specialty coffee nowadays, I feel like. Now, I'm going to ask you one of the most important questions because... A, if I don't ask it, I'll be lynched. And B, <laughs> it's the most requested question. Imagine that one has a coffee roastery. How can they get into your box? It's an interesting process. Um, so obviously, I'm, I'm the director of coffee, so I pretty much decide you know, which, which roasters we work with and partner with. Um, you know, it's, I'm looking for the right roasters for, at the right time to fit our needs. So... We have some basic requirements of the roasters that we work with. You know, like they need to roast at least two times a week and ideally more than that um, to make sure that the coffee is being roasted right before the coffee is shipped because our customers can have totally varying frequencies. So, you know, coffee could need to be shipped any day of the week um, and it needs to be fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to have enough coffees available. So we usually don't work with a roaster unless they have at least six coffees available at a given time. Um, and, you know, a wider variety of options is better than six coffees that are all relatively similar um, or in the same profile. Um, and it depends on you know, what we're lacking in our lineup at the time. Um, right now we have a really strong lineup of, of lighter roasters, but you know, we are kind of a little, um, you know, a little lacking in our, op- in our options for um, blends and darker roasts. So you know, we're, we're looking right now um, for the next few months for, for roasters who have, you know, a good variety of coffees, some, you know, maybe some medium or darker roasted blends that are high quality sourced. Um, I also look for um, solid branding. Uh, that's a that's a really important part of, of of what we do. The customer experience. You know, I want to make sure that that the customer when they open up the box and they see the bag of coffee, the bag needs to look really good. It needs to look really sharp, clean, and professional. Um, you know, the way that you communicate about your brand on your website, the way that you carry yourself in social media, I'm looking for modern, um, branding. I want you to have a lot of social, you know, awareness. So the, all of those things are, are variable and, you know, throughout the year, our needs change a little bit. So it means that if you decide to carry the roaster, is the roaster who sends out, uh, the coffee? Yeah. So all of our coffees are drop shipped from directly from the roaster, mm-hmm. um, that allows us to make sure that the coffee is getting to the customer as fast as it possibly can. So roasters that we work with, we have a backend portal which they they log into with their specific username and it shows them their orders. They're able to um, print labels through our system and then you know they're able to we send them um, the necessary boxes and that way they're able to put the orders into their queue to be roasted and then packed and then they're able to ship it out and it's able to get to our customer, you know, only a couple of days off of roast. I see. Okay. And uh, for this service, uh, you charge percentage? You don't have to tell me the exact number, but you charge percentage or is it a flat fee or is it a membership fee? No, it's a, it's a typical wholesale retailer uh, relationship. So we pay, you know, typical wholesale prices um, for each of the coffees. Okay. Uh, I guess then... 
people send an email to you guys and uh, you request samples. Is that how it works? Yeah, I mean, I feel I feel bad. I normally what I'll do when when I get a roaster request, um, I'll look at I'll look up the roaster and do a little bit of research. I'll find them on social media. I'll look at their website. I'll look at their offerings and um, that sort of thing. And uh, a lot of you know, like a lot of the times, I, I simply have to say you know thank you for your time. I looked at your website. It looks awesome. Um, you know, like a lot of people are doing great stuff. I just don't have. Uh, the space for you with your, you know, your products at this right time. So, um, you know, I'm always accepting, you know, uh, you know, inquiries of, about working with us. So you can, you can email me at seth.mills at M I S T O B O X.com. Um, you know, if you're a roaster and, and you want to work with us, feel free to shoot me an email anytime. Um, whether or not I have room for your product line at any given time is hard to say. So, you know, I always do, you know, try to follow up with those roasters later when I do have room for them or, you know, I'll try to say, Hey, I'm not looking for that right now, but in a couple months I will be. So please, you know, respond and email me back, you know, in a few months. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, obviously like I also have, I only have a certain number of roasters that I can work with. I can't work with every roaster who emails me because, you know, I just don't have enough <clears throat> customers for all of that. So right now we have about 40 roasters. So obviously I have to turn down a lot of roasters. Um, and once I start working with you, I try to keep that relationship and maintain that relationship. So once I start working with you, you know, I, I hope to continue working with you indefinitely. So, um, you know, I'm not really turning over roasters or I'm not ending relationships with roasters. So, um, you know, the need, the need only grows as our model and our business grows. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, you said that you work uh, with 40 different roasters and you communicate with many, many more. Do you see any interesting trends in the roasting world? I, yeah, I, I mean, I get to work with a lot of roasters. I get to, I get to interact with them. Um, I think, you know, trends in coffee, no matter what area of coffee, trends can be hard to keep up with because they're changing so frequently. Um, Roasting, you know, like we saw that shift towards super light Nordic style roasting for most of the last 10 years. And I think that we've hit a point where roasters are starting to shift back and looking for a more balanced cup, not just acidity and brightness. Um, so I think we're starting to see a lot of roasters who who want more more developed coffees, not necessarily medium or dark, but just more medium light maybe. Um, but just trying to get a little bit more development, get some more you know, chocolatey or caramelized sugar flavor in there as opposed to just acidity. Um, I think, uh, you know, where the industry is going, it's hard to uh, predict the future, right? So, you know, we're seeing the perception of specialty coffee or coffee in general, like, improve. And the perception is that it's going to be, it's a better product. um, And that has a lot more value and people are willing to spend more for a better product. Um, But, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly where, you know, like the next trend's going to be. Mm-hmm. Is there a place for another coffee roaster on this world? What do you think? Um, maybe, maybe not. There's, <laughs> you know, I I get emails from so many roasters and it's it's great to see that that the industry is growing so much. It's great to see that um, you know, specialty coffee has never been more available than it is right now. Um, but yeah, it's you know, I think that there's we're going to be reaching a point where there is market saturation and, you know, it doesn't necessarily, it cannot necessarily support all of the roasters that, that are opening. Yeah, I agree with you. And I 
honestly, I would never start a roasting company in the United States if I would not have a model which differentiate uh, from anybody else. And this is why I kind of started to research things like uh, the Death Wish. Have you ever heard of them? Uh, yeah, I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's a totally different approach. They don't go with uh, the quality of coffee. They don't go about the origin. The only their only promise is this is the strongest coffee on the world. I don't even know if it's true or not. But what I, what I like this business model is that it's different than anybody else. You know, so everybody is opening the same kind of roasters, and uh, yeah, it's it'll be interesting. I, I I'm curious what will people come up with and what will stick uh, in the future. But I I think that it's very very challenging to start just another roasting company. And roasting is awesome. Like I have to say that. I used to be a diplomat. I was well paid, and coffee got me just because of roasting and what you can do with a green bean. Uh, so it's 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 fascinating, but you have to separate always roasting and business because uh, those are two different things. I mean, the fact that you roast doesn't mean that you also will be good in business. I don't know. Yeah, I think that that's I think that rings true in a lot of aspects of specialty coffee. It's it's one of those things where. You know, you talked about how you fell into coffee because you loved it. I, you know, I was in college and I fell in love with it and just wanted to do it for a living, even though, you know, I didn't go to business school necessarily or, you know, I didn't study it. Um, but I think that it's easy to get carried away and say, I really love coffee and therefore I want it to be my business, even though you might not necessarily be great at business. And so I think that it's important to distinguish and separate your passion from from what you're doing and if it makes sense and if you have the right tools and you have the right skills to make it work professionally then you should absolutely do it um but you know like sometimes it's okay if a hobby just stays a hobby yeah yeah i agree and if you decide so then try to find something which nobody else did because that's with that it's easier to succeed with or uh, than with something which everybody else does you know so i just in the Bay Area here, I can see so many third wave companies. I mean, I use that word third wave because it's stuck to it, whatever, you know, people like it or not. Uh, there are so many of them. And I, I wonder that, is, is there still place? I don't know. I think that, you know, on the coasts, we have pretty heavy market saturation. There's still a lot of places, you know, in, in um you know, around the country that there, there's a lot of towns or cities, metro, even larger metropolitan cities that don't have a huge specialty coffee interest. So I think that if you were, you know, going to start another roastery, I would say, you know, don't necessarily go to where something already exists or where there already, you know, like are a ton of roasters like you, you know, find, you know, find a smaller town. I think Ruby, Ruby Coffee in Wisconsin um, is a great example, you know, um, Jared Linsmeyer, you know, started in coffee. He worked for Intelligentsia. He worked for uh, Ladro um, up in Seattle. And then he moved back home, you know, to a small town in Wisconsin. And he's bringing specialty coffee there where there wasn't a presence before. So I think that, you know, if, if you are going to open a, a new roastery, like target an area that doesn't have it yet and, and bring that quality there. And that brings me to the next question. If you would start a coffee roasting company today, how it would, how it would look like? Um, I think it'd be very similar to the coffee program, you know, I've established at Mistavox, you know, focusing on meeting everyone where they're at, focusing on quality, whether that be 
sourcing or roasting, uh, but just making sure that you know that that quality is at the forefront and putting out the best product I can. I'd ignore a lot of the noise in the industry. Um, I think we tend to, you know, I mentioned it earlier, we get in our own heads. We we look at our own navel a little bit too much and try to focus on, you know, impressing other people in our in the industry or our peers. I think I'd ignore a lot of that. I'd save a ton of money and not throw it at, at the newest gear, or the newest trend. Um, I'd probably work really hard to develop like a fun, relatable brand that that makes being approachable a uh, pretty big priority. Okay, sounds great. Okay, cool. Uh, are there any mistakes you think that uh, nowadays uh, coffee roasters do? I, from my side, I mentioned that I think that you know one copy is another one. Uh, do you see any 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 mistakes or something that can improve? Let's say let's not be negative. Is there something they can improve uh, with? Yeah, I would. You know, I try not to tell other people how to run their businesses because you know I think you know it's important that they you know they know their they know their um their market better than i do but i would say um you know know your audience know you know know who you're serving and who you're catering and do your best to make them happy and serve their needs i think as we've touched on a couple times earlier we focus on ourselves and aren't necessarily putting out products that maybe our our customers want or potential customers that we're ignoring would want um i think that's a big one you know don't don't pigeonhole yourself, you know, leave, leave yourself an out. So, you know, our model wasn't always serving customers what they needed. And so we realized that we needed to change and we, we switched our model around and it's been hugely successful for us. So if you, you know, if what you set out to do doesn't end up working, you know, don't be afraid to call an audible and use what you've learned to improve and get better and serve your customers better. Yeah, we, we just, we don't try to tell what people should do it's more like your opinion, right? Because right. people are curious about it. So even me, I'm so many times wrong, but that's my opinion and I'll act on it because I believe in it. And maybe in six months, a year, it proves to be, you know, oh, I shouldn't have done that. But that's the cost of learning, I guess. So you mentioned, you know, that you changed. Was was uh, Mark Cuban involved in that? Were you influenced by his guidance or is it something which you guys came up with? Yeah, I think he saw, you know, he he... He helped us identify um, that we were selling ourselves short a little bit and that there was a lot of room for improvement. And so from there, you know, we went back to the drawing board and, um, you know, internally within our team, you know, decided, okay, you know, you know, these are, these are our, you know, we, we identified our weaknesses, our weak points where, you know, coffees weren't as fresh as they could be. Customers weren't loving every coffee we sent them, um, you know, logistical hangups from, you know, repackaging the coffee and stuff like that. And that's how we kind of came upon the model that we have now. And, you know, obviously it's been hugely beneficial for us. Cool. Is he part of your Slack team? <laughs> uh, no, he's not. Oh, <laughs> cool. All right. And, and now I'm going to ask you some questions from uh, our Facebook group because we have a Facebook group, Coffee is Me, and uh, there's a pretty cool community of coffee roasters, coffee professionals, and they have some questions for you. So are you ready for them? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Okay. So Jose Thompson, and I hope I did not butcher up your name. He's, by the way, a coffee guy who bakes bread. And if you go on his Instagram account or Facebook account, you'll be impressed. That's like highly professional bread. 
So that dude is uh, like amazing in all aspects. So he definitely deserves to have his first question. That's uh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I love bread. And I tried to bake and he liked my uh, some of my bakes a long time ago and commenting on it, I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, I can teach him how to make bread. I gave him some tips. He said he's very uh, respectfully thanked for them. And then he posted his stuff and I was like, what am I doing with this guy? You know, it's like, he's a professional baker. Anyhow, his question is, what advice do you have in general for small roasters starting a subscription program? By the way, are these uh, competition for you? Um, the advice I would have would be, you know, make sure that you're researching your shipping options and that you have a good system in place so that customers can get fresh coffee. Um, you know, making sure that you're shipping the coffee out really soon after the coffee's roasted and, you know, looking at all of your potential shipping providers and their varying costs because that could be a huge, a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Have you ever got a complaint that your coffee, let's say, a coffee from a roaster was too old? Um, on uh, in the older model, when we had the coffee repackaged, there were a couple times where you know the coffee wouldn't get to a customer until it was I don't know two weeks off of roast or something, which wasn't obviously coffee at two weeks is still relatively fresh, but it's not as fresh as we would have liked. So yeah, we had some complaints, and that was one of the reasons that that we that sparked our change. Mm-hmm. Um, you asked, you know, are these competition for us and uh, I think they are competition for us, you know, even if it's a small roaster, um, any, any customer who's willing to pay for a coffee subscription, you know, they could be buying coffee from us. So I absolutely see them as, as competition. Well, this is the reason why you should be a little bit more open to the new roaster so you can take up the subscription uh, models and let not, and not them do it. Uh, so maybe you need 150 roasters. I'm kidding. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe, maybe someday. <laughs> okay. Sean Fitzpatrick uh, is asking two questions. One is, is there international expansion plan? You know, right now our main focus is getting every aspect of our experience, you know, from the website to the communication with customers to our copies. You know, we want everything to be absolutely f- perfect for our subscription and our subscribers here in the U.S. So, there's a need for it beyond the United States. We, we see it. We hear you. Um, yes, I hope we will get there someday. But it's just a matter of getting everything, you know, dialed in perfectly here before we, you know, look to expand. Mm-hmm. Have you looked into this, uh, for example, in Europe, that if you have competition there? Um, we haven't really looked at Europe too okay. much, although we have had customers from Europe in the past. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I know because... Obviously, I have a company there. Uh, there are a few companies, and there are more and more. I mean, Europe is specific because it's European Union, but each country is separate, and shipping is crazy between countries. It's like international shipping, you know. So just a silly ex- uh, example, the town where Green Plantation is is called Komarno. It's in South Slovakia on the Hungarian borders. And a town is very famous because northern part is in Slovakia, and the southern part is in Hungary. So shipping from northern part of the town to Hungarian part, we would have to pay international shipping. Obviously, we just go over the border and send it like that. But Europe is very weird this way. way. So it's kind of uh, strange. But there are subscription uh, um, models there. And, uh, well, I don't know. Um, We have mixed um, experience with them. I have to say, as a roaster now, I'm talking as a roaster, 
they ask for samples. It's not us pitching the coffee to them. They came and pitched their service to us. And, uh, you know, we got feedback. Oh, we love your coffees, but nothing else after that. And that's that's really rude, I think, because, you know, for us, a roaster, that costs money to roast it, send it out to you guys. And uh, we just want, want honest feedback and that's all, you know. So it's like, no, we, it doesn't work because I'm full. I love your coffees. I don't like your coffees. You should improve that because I'm looking for this and this. And that's, you know, you mentioned that, that you guys do that. So that's, that's why I said, oh, that's, that's actually great. A lot of the times I'll actually, you know, decline, you know, when, when roasters will, you know, say, Hey, I'd love to send you some samples. If I'm not looking for, for a roaster, you know, I'll, I'll definitely decline and say, you know what, maybe when I have an opening or I'm looking to fill a slot that you might fit, then I'll ask for samples. But I try to avoid requesting samples anytime that, that there's a possibility that, that, you know, I'm not going to be able to work with them because I know that it is a cost. Yeah, it's a cost and you have expectations. You know, it's like, I don't mind to send out the samples, but I, I want you to take that seriously. So you try it and you tell me, you know, yes, this is awesome sample and we're going to cooperate or this is an awesome sample or this is not what I was expecting and I don't have a place in my portfolio for this. You don't have to be rude about that, obviously. But honestly, with me, you can be rude because I like very honest feedbacks. I like to work with that. But yeah, so this is the weak point of the European coffee subscription services. So, and that's why I didn't pick one from there, but I picked you guys. So there, I can complain a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, go for it. (laughs) All right. Another question from Sean is, uh, if a roaster is a part of your program, can they still sell their own brands or do they have to be exclusive to the Mr. Box program? Um, Let's see. I think he's, he's probably asking about being exclusive to Mr. Box from other subscriptions, right? Mm, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, we don't require exclusivity. Like we want our roasters to succeed. So if they find that they work well with other online retailers or other online subscriptions, you know, more power to them. Um, mm-hmm. As long as the other subscription that they work with doesn't require exclusivity and pushes us out, you know. Yeah. So yeah. no, we definitely don't require exclusivity. Cool. Michel Broad, uh, he is the admin in Coffees.me uh, group, Facebook group, and he's a volunteer. So thanks, Michel, for all your help. Uh, what has helped you growth the most? This is a great question. What was the what were the triggers you think that helped you grow the most? I think that um, word of mouth uh, is really helpful. I mean, it hasn't always been word of mouth. Um, we we've done some marketing campaigns and paid channels, um, which kind of proved to be you know more or less not that helpful, um, and so. Once we, you know, changed our model around and started offering the personalized subscription, I think that uh, the experience was so much better that people were so happy with it that they were telling other people about it. And that has been, you know, one of the biggest um, opportunities and areas that we've been able to grow. Um, We also try to use, you know, we try to use the press. We try to use PR for, you know, talking about peak season, going into holidays, getting, you know, getting our subscription box listed in, in lists from, you know, well-known major publications or being featured on, you know, national TV, that, that always helps. Mm. So, okay. We also have a, an incentivized referral program. So, you know, when customers sign up, you know, if they, if they 
refer a friend if they tell a friend that you know oh you know we love Musto Box we want to sign up you know you can you can actually give them a referral code which gives ten dollars in credit to the referrer and then it gives ten dollars in credit to the person who's signing up so that oh, wow. that helps that must work very well yeah and you didn't mention um, Kickstarter neither uh, Shark Tank but I guess those were also very strong uh, catalysators right yeah I mean it's obviously different. Um, because Kickstarter was so long ago and Shark Tank was, you know, it aired in 2013. So we still get a little bit of traffic from that, but but mostly nowadays, most of our traffic is generated from word of mouth. Mm -hmm. Okay, you mentioned PR. Do you have any cool tips how you can approach uh, a magazine or a newspaper with that, you know, they should feature you because you have something cool for them? I think, uh, you know, it, it pays to do your research a little bit. So go through and find publications who have covered similar products to yours in the past or have shown an interest in what you're in, you know, in specialty coffee or, or roasting or whatever. Um, you know, if they've shown interest in the past, you know, it doesn't hurt to reach out to them, send them an email, offer to send them a sample and, you know, try to try to use that because the cost of that advertising, if you send them a bag of coffee, it, you know, it maybe costs you $10 to roast and ship that coffee. But, you know, in the long run, it could give you, you know, a, a place in a, in a, you know, in a publication that might, you know, give you significant return on that investment. Cool. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Uh, another question from Michelle is, uh, did you develop or refine your vision of what company you would become? Was it or was it always clear? You we talked about this a little bit that you kind of winged it in the beginning, but how is it today? Is it still winging it? <laughs> no, I think I think we've had time to uh, definitely find our footing a little bit more and and have a better grasp on what we're doing. Obviously, um, when the company was starting out, Sam and Connor they had never worked in coffee before. They had never operated an online business, and so you know from there they were winging it because they were learning as they went. And then I joined the team um, in February of 2013. And I, you know, I had worked in coffee. And so I brought a lot of coffee experience to, you know, to the team and helped kind of refine that. And over the last three and a half years, I've worked really hard to continue to hone and refine and, and get our, get that side of the brand, um, you know, really well developed and get the vision for that well developed. Um, but I think, you know, Sam and Connor, they each have different specializations within the team and they both have really firm grasps on where that where the direction is. Sam in particular, you know, she she's in charge of a lot of the marketing stuff. And so she, you know, she works really hard to make sure that that she is, you know, we're we're finding the best ways that we can to to grow and to reach the right audience and to improve our experience as best as we possibly can. Oh, cool. And Michelle also asked as a part of this question, did you or do you use any tools or processes? Yeah, I mean, we use a, a ton of tools. Obviously, we mentioned earlier, we use Slack quite a bit. Um, Slack is an incredible tool for communicating across teams. I know you said that you your team had an issue with it, but you know everyone I've talked to, I know a lot of other businesses who use Slack because it's so easy to integrate. Um, you know, I can use it on my phone when I'm not at home or it's on my computer, so it's you know seamlessly integrates. Um, obviously, you know we like to use Google Docs and Google Sheets because it's an incredible tool that's super powerful and it's free. Um, so you know, if you can find tools that are free that don't cost you anything to use, you know, absolutely find them and use them. 
Um, there's a few other, I mean, there's a ton of different applications that we weave together to make our system work really well. So part of our part of our backend processes have been our custom built and you know pl- custom built platforms for our system. But we also integrate a, t- a lot of um, free applications that are going that help us to do things that you know would never have been possible otherwise. I not against Slack. I'm just saying that the Slovak part of the team didn't like it and didn't use it, so it was useless. But uh, yeah, I, yeah. So just to correct that. So and this was my last question. Thank you so much uh, for answering all the questions very openly and very honestly. So, you know, we can inspire some roasters to seek uh, better futures or better businesses. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. So this was it. it this was the podcast with Seth Mills from Mr. Box. I hope you found this podcast useful. If you did, just feel free to drop uh, Seth a message on, on Twitter or or Facebook or Instagram and tell him, hey, dude, the podcast was pretty awesome. So he knows that, you know, we are thankful to him. And now I want to talk about the topic I mentioned in, in, in the beginning. Actually, there are two topics. One is the concern about the depth of knowledge on coffeecourses.com. And I see that the customer has truth in, in a part when he talks about the advanced coffee course. But, uh, you know, these courses are designed for people who are starting uh, the coffee industry. And I think the advanced coffee course on, on a website is still pretty hardcore, you know, for, for many, many roasters. If you are a professional roaster and you roast for, for a few years, that advanced coffee course might be disappointing at this point. But if you are just starting or if you're roasting for, let's say, one, two years, or uh, you don't know, um, you never took a roasting course, this advanced course is, is too much. So it, it's very hard to cater to exactly to the knowledge of people, you know, what they what they are at. We decided that we're going to amend this and we're going to work on it in the next uh, month or two. We're going to make many more uh, highly professional courses and, and maybe help out also people who roast for a longer time and they want to learn, you know, the hardcore uh, things about roasting. So uh, again... The advanced coffee roasting is advanced. If you roasting for a few years, it's not advanced. If you are a if you are a coffee nerd and you know roasting is like you are into it like totally. So, but we're going to fix that. Now, now the other thing is that the same customer mentioned that you know there are similar courses on YouTube, and he sent me a link to to one of the one of the videos, and I, I have to warn you here. I mean. And, and I have to, I'll, I'll be very open. <laughs> I hope it will not backfire. Backfire. And if you go to YouTube, every company or every person who publishes stuff on YouTube has, has certain agenda with that video. It's more in most cases, it's not from the goodness of their heart, and it's true with us too. I will be very open about it. Okay. So I have this Slovak uh, coffee roasting company called Green Plantation. And we publish here and there videos, reviews. Uh, we do uh, courses like how to brew coffee at home, you know, that the typical stuff. And also in at coffee courses, if you find it on YouTube, you'll find some of the Willem's videos where, you know, he, he has kind of like a snippets from, from our courses. Actually, these are not really snippets. These are uh, separate videos because we shot them separately with intention to put them on Facebook and, and YouTube. Now, why I'm saying this, 
It's because we do have both Green Plantation and Coffee Courses. We have intention to showcase you what, what, what do we do and, and make you buy our course. Okay, it's that simple. Well, in Green Plantation, obviously, we want you to buy our coffee. So if you go to YouTube and you look for courses, you will not get the, uh, I would say, the, the course course. You would get the marketing version of something, you know? So every video has a certain agenda. So in this case, what the customer sent me the video, that company sells coffee roasters, and they are having agenda to sell those coffee roasters. And that's how they cater the courses, okay? And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. As I said, we do it. It's a very good marketing technique. You uh, showcase uh, what can you do. You showcase your uh, future customers. You know, what's your philosophy? You showcase your personality because, of course, you know, people uh, also buy things emotionally. So they want to connect with you as, as the owner. So they do it amazingly. That's a great stuff. But you have to realize that not not the same as purchasing a course. In my personal case, and this is my personal opinion, if I buy a course with intention to learn something and take it to the next level, to, do, to be professional, I'll, I'll definitely buy them. And in my case, I spend a lot of money on marketing courses. Uh, I really like business courses. I never went to business school. I went, uh, I w- I'm a political scientist. So I really enjoy business, uh, marketing, and, and uh, social, um, so- social psychology. So I buy these courses. And especially in the marketing case, I mean, they can be very, very pricey. And, you know, I admit I, I manage to pay sometimes a lot of money for lemons and sometimes for a few dollars I get amazing content. And that's the nature of everything. That's the nature of books. That's the nature of videos, movies, you know. You sometimes go and the movie sucks, you know. So it happens. And uh, But, you know, at these times we have reviews you can check out. So that's, I would never go to YouTube and learn, let's say, a Facebook uh, marketing skill. I can pick up one or two tips. I can uh, get familiar with the personality of the, of the, of the um, teacher, lector, whatever you name it. And then I might purchase his course. I mean, it happens all the time with podcasts with me. So I listen to a podcast. I really like the person's approach to certain things it's very close to my philosophy and yeah by by hers or his course so this is the big difference okay and you might disagree with me this is my opinion and fine that's okay you know also like i have limited time i'm 42 years old i have three core businesses to run and I don't want to waste my time searching and finding and, and kind of figuring things out. I did that when I was much younger. Yeah, experimenting was kind of the fun. At this point, many times when it comes uh, to my courses, courses I buy, I, I want a certain philosophy, a certain methodology. I want to buy it and want to be done with that. That's totally worth the time and the money. And this is why we created Coffee Courses, because... Uh, we wanted to show you the Willem's way, Willem Boots way of quality analysis and roasting. Okay, there's many roasting schools, by the way, so it's there's not only ours. Okay, and then many many times they contradict to each other, and that's fine. Okay, I'm not saying that ours is the best. I'm not saying that theirs is the best. I'm saying that different schools, 
and that's awesome. You can pick one and you go with it and that's how you build your roasting skills. And maybe if you're not happy, you always uh, you have always the option to change and do a, a different way. And ultimately, what we hope with coffeecourses.com, by the way, I'm not sure about the other guys, what we hope is that ultimately you develop your own style. We show you the background, the theory. We show you the basic way of doing things. We show you the industry trends. And then you, as a creator of a product, you, you as a roaster, you as a, as a product developer, will come up with something unique. Because, you know, if everybody does the same stuff on the world, then what's the point, right? So again, purchasing courses, in my case, is also uh, time-saving. I, I don't want to, you know, like, figure this out. And everybody says something else. It's confusing. I want to take a methodology or a philosophy of one person and go ahead with that and test it. Does it work? Okay, cool. Let, let me either purchase the higher course or move on to somebody who is similar and, you know, amend my skills. This is my opinion, and obviously you can accuse me of uh, pushing coffeecourses.com, and you are right. I mean, I, I want to sell coffeecourses.com, and I will protect it. It's it's my baby, so uh, I'll protect it. But I have just wanted to tell you that I behave the same way. My purchasing behavior is the same as I advise to people do with coffee courses. And if you disagree with this, I'm to respect you, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just trying to explain why I would not uh, learn a professional skill from, from YouTube. But on the other hand, if you guys have businesses, YouTube and Facebook videos are pretty awesome way how to uh, put yourself out there, okay? Because as I said, people buy stuff emotionally. People connect with you. People want to see who is behind the product. I mean, that's the power of the social media, right? It's not only that... The fact that you push, you know, uh, your advertisement and push your stuff online, but you're also creating these communications, right? And the way how you communicate, the way how you talk, uh, the attentiveness, attentiveness uh, to the customer or the potential customers, that all counts. That's why it's social, because it's, you know, two ways. And if you do that, I think any business can be successful, whether you sell coffee or coffee equipment, or, or underwear, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's it's fascinating world. And this is how we use the videos. And you can see that in every video, and here is a surprise, in every video in, in, in the beginning, and we try also in the end, Willem Booth always says something like, hey, at coffeecourses.com, we blah, blah, blah. Okay, or, or we get this question at coffeecourses.com, blah, blah. That's our kind of pitch okay and you see the little logo so that's how you know where you are and that video is from us to you okay if you like the video if you like william style most likely one day you'll purchase our course now other people do it other way you know i was watching a video where a person was for seven minutes uh talking about who should you follow how should you follow and what website you find them and honestly i fall asleep but i guess other people don't so it's up to you, you know, uh, how you decide how much advertising you put in, in your videos or, you know, how you're going to do that. But I'm just saying that it's an awesome way how to get out there and how to get your persona out there. Because, again, people buy emotionally. All right. So I hope this explains a little bit my opinion about things. As I said, 
the advanced course we're going to fix. Okay, we're going to add much more advanced stuff. And uh, with online education, when it comes to YouTube, I disagree. So that's all. Have a great week and talk to you soon. Bye.